Good morning. I always enjoy visiting congregations because the singing is beautiful. I don't know why man has to introduce a piano to any of that. Because the Lord wants us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And I am so happy to be here this morning to share with you the things going on at Potter and to share a lesson from God's Word with you. I will be reading out of the New King James Version in case you would like to know that. My main uh, passages will be out of Ephesians chapter 5, but I want to go over to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12 to start out this morning. As you've noticed in this world, we have evil all around us, don't we? We have things going on that I can't believe that are happening. And we seem to think that that's uh, today. God said, you don't have to turn to this, I just want to look at this. During Noah's time, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Every intent of his thoughts, the thoughts of his heart, was only evil evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth and was grieved in his heart. So he said, I will destroy man whom I've uh, created from the face of the earth. Both men and creeping beasts and creeping uh, things and birds of the air, for I'm sorry that I've made them. But Noah found grace in his eyes. You know, sometimes we think it's that bad in the world today. But guess what? There are a lot of folks out there that need our love. And I love what Peter says in First Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but now, but are now the people of God who have obtained mercy, but now the people of God who have not attained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts and war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. The point of my lesson this morning is going to be a fact, the fact that we're the hope of the world. We are the light of the world. I'm referring to the church, the body of Christ, the chosen generation. We have died to our sins. We've been buried with Christ in baptism. We've been resurrected in newness of life. And we never know what kind of effect we can have on folks when we serve and care for them. And what I want to do this morning is look through Ephesians chapter 5, 
verses 1 through 21, and I want to bring forth three points from that reading. The first point is we need to walk in love. You know, the things we see around us happening, sometimes we just want to react with anger. But we need to walk in love. We need to understand, like it says in verse 1 of chapter 5, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. In Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, God makes the statement that He does not will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In the days of Noah, I guess it was so bad, you know, He, he just grieved that He made man and destroyed them. And believe me, you know, we have folks in the world today that make fun of us as Christians, okay? That tell us and our kids in school that all these stories about creation, uh, the parting of the Red Sea, Noah's Ark, uh, the resurrection of Jesus and all this is nothing but fables. But we know better. We know that God did create the earth in six days. We know that He destroyed the world through the flood. We know that Jesus died on the cross, was buried for three days and resurrected, and then ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God. And the church is here for a reason, and that's to help others. So as dear children, we need to be imitators of God. We need to go about sharing the gospel with those around us. Then in verse 2 it says, And walk in love, which is my first point, as Christ also loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice for a sweet-smelling aroma. Christ died on that cruel cross for your sins and my sins. That is one of the most important things that has happened in the history of man. I remember Jesus in the garden asking God for this cup to pass from Him. But if it's not so, be Your will. And Christ died on that cross that we might live. You know, a couple of the statements Christ made on the cross always affect me. He looked out at those people mocking Him, those that had beaten Him, and He said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. I believe Jesus had love for those folks that were killing Him. But the words from His very mouth that always hit me in the heart was when He died. He said, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? Eli, Eli, la sabachthani. A man who had never committed a sin in his life bore the sins of those before him, those of his day, and those who were to come. And he gave his all that we might live. And we need to remember that as we walk in this world. We need to look at the folks around us in love. 
Now the Apostle Paul says in verse 3 and 4, he talks about the different sins, fornication, uncleanliness, covetousness. He says, do not even let any of this be named among you as is forfeiting for saints. He talks about fornication, all uncleanliness, I mean filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. That's what we need to do. We need not let the things of this world take over our lives. Yes, we have to live in this world, physically. But we're not let those things be named among us. In verse 7 it says, Do not be partakers with any of these things. Then I like what Paul says in verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these sins, or these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. You ever heard folks out there saying that there is no hell? There is a hell. There is a place of eternal darkness. And each one of us are going to stand before the throne of God on the day of judgment. And we're going to answer for our works, everyone individually. And do not let anyone in the world deceive you again by telling you that what we read in this Bible is fable, that it's just stories. God means what He says, and God does what He says. And in this first point, we're to be imitators of Him in this lost world. This world that makes fun of us. I used to get made fun of in school some and at work where I worked at a factory in Juliet, Illinois. What do you mean you go to church every Sunday? Then they tease you about it. Don't let that get you down and don't let anyone deceive you with empty words. Not only do we need to walk in love, but we need to walk in the light. Well, before I get walking the light, I want—I have one more story. You know, I started my ministry out back in 1970. I preached my first sermon in the Joliet State Penitentiary. I was working within the in the Freedom Within ministry, and there are a lot of folks in there you wouldn't want to give the message of hope to. You know. Then I believe I was preaching in Plymouth, Indiana. I had a couple. An elderly couple, uh, elder and his wife, not elderly, but elder and his wife, had been studying with this man on death row at Michigan City, Indiana. And he was baptized into Christ, and they wanted me to go visit him. I went up to Michigan City, Indiana, and they brought this man to me in chains. And sitting down in the cafeteria area, we were sitting across the table from each other, and I talked to him for a while, and he looked at me and said, I'll never leave here. There's people trying to kill me every day. I'm in solitary confinement. And I looked at that man, and his eyes were soft. He didn't have hardness of heart. And he looked me square in the face and said, I know I'm going to die here, but I have a home in heaven. You know where he got that message? Through the Word of God. You know where he was presented the Word of God by? That elder and his wife. They shared with him the truth. And they shared with him love, even though he was on death row for murder. 
I have no idea who he murdered or what the crime was. But he became a body of Christ because that couple walked in love. Now, as we go down to verses 8 through 14 of Ephesians 5, walk in the light. I like what he says in the first verse, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Yes, we all are sinners. We all, even at times now, slip into darkness. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all walked in darkness. But now you are light. He's writing to Christians. He wants us to walk as children in light. In First Peter chapter 1, it says, If you walk in the light as He is in the light, His blood continually cleanses you from all sin. And if you say you have no sin... Basically, you make a liar out of God. And you probably think in your mind, I don't know anybody to ever say that. Well, I was up in Flint, Michigan, knocking doors for a gospel meeting when I was up in preaching school. I knocked on this door, and this gentleman come to the door, and I invited him to the gospel meeting. He looked me square in the eye and said, I do not sin. I couldn't say anything. Now I could. <laughs> But he had the arrogance to say, I have no sin. The only one that ever had no sin was Christ Jesus. So as we've given our lives to him, we need to walk in the light as he is in the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. This is an important question. How do you find out what's acceptable to the Lord? Could it be studying this? Timothy was told by Paul, Steady to show thyself approved unto God, rightly, and the word rightly, dividing the word of truth. I believe the God of heaven that created the heavens and the earth in six days, that created a flood and saved eight in that flood, and parted the Red Sea and raised Jesus from the dead, I believe this God could keep His book intact for us. The psalmist writes in Psalm 119, I believe it is, Your word is a lamp unto my feet. It guides us in this dark world. And it is, is uh, acceptable today. It is correct today as it was yesterday. When I was in the prison ministry, I was also at Westfield Penitentiary in Westfield, Indiana. I was a volunteer chaplain there. And I was talking to a prison librarian, one of the prisoners there one day. You know what he said to me? He said, the word of the Lord fell on me. I looked up on the shelf, see if the Bible's up there and fell on his head. But what he was telling me, all of a sudden, I was given the word. Where I went to school, the director had a saying, uh, Gene, I can't remember his last name. I don't know where he got it, if he made it up himself, but he said, inspiration comes by perspiration, 
And that's no speculation. You steady to show thyself approved unto God. And every Christian, every young person needs to study the Word of God because Satan is going to tell you everything out there in the world and tell you what you believe is fake or fable or non-existent. But God is there and we need to study them. In verse 11 it says, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but expose or reprove them. We need to expose and reprove the fact that the Supreme Court said a man can marry a man and a woman a woman. God's Word does not say that. We need to bring light to that Word or to that, so people can see what that sin is. We need to expose it. As a matter of fact, that's why Jesus went to the cross because He was light to the world. He told the Pharisees point blank, you're hypocrites. You're sinners. He shined the light on their evil deeds. And what was the result? They killed him. Remember a man named Stephen? I always look at Stephen and Peter. Peter preached the first sermon on the day of Pentecost. He told the folks the truth. He exposed the fact that they killed the Messiah. And their response was, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They were pricked to the heart. The Word of God, that living Word, is a sword, and it pierces to the very marrow and very bone. And He told them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, Stephen was talking to some leaders of the Jewish folks. He basically told the same message, or gave the same message. And instead of the reaction Peter got, they stoned Stephen to death because they could not stand the light being shined upon their sins. We need to reprove and correct, but we need to do it in love and understanding because Stephen, as he was dying, said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. He had that love and he walked in the light. In verse 12, those things that are done in the darkness, it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is the light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who are asleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Awake. We need to look to God we need to look to the light we need to awake from our sins we need to die we need to be buried with Christ in baptism and resurrected in newness of life arise from the dead and Christ will give you light and as we walk in the world we can bring others to Christ and it works I shared some experiences uh, with Christine that it happened to her, that little congregation, one of our single mothers, that found her fallen on the old way of life and gave her hope and brought her into Christ. And she died in Christ. About five, six years ago, we had an idea at our congregation. We brought a man over from Nicaragua and his wife and two kids. We wanted to start a Spanish ministry. 
Luis has baptized over 50 Cubans. They were brought to Christ. They were looking. And he shared the light of the word with them. So we need to walk in love and walk in the light. Finally, we need to walk in wisdom. See then, in verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectfully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. You know, we need to walk carefully in everything that we do. Because sin is easy to fall into. We need to be wise in what we do, and we need to redeem the time because the days are evil. James chapter 4, verse 14 says that time is but a vapor. Almost 50 years ago, I graduated from high school. Where'd that time go? I remember when I was in high school, Christmas break was a long way away. I was bored. I was, you know, sitting in science class, whatever class I was sitting in, waiting for the spring break or waiting for summer break or whatever, and it all seems so slow. Now I'm 65 years old. I've been married 45 years. My granddaughter just graduated college. I like to tease people and tell them I'm only 48, but... That would have meant my wife married somebody three years old. (laughs) But time passes by so fast. We've been at Bowling Green 25 years. I can't believe it. We need to redeem our time. We need to walk in wisdom. And I'm talking to the young folks especially. Time will be passing for you very fast. Focus your minds on Christ. Redeem the time. Listen to your parents. As I expressed in the lesson earlier, I had a mom and dad. We didn't have a lot of stuff when I was growing up, physical stuff, but they were there for me. And a lot of the kids, I we serve at Schultz Lewis and Potter Children's Home. We have about 52 children's homes in the brotherhood, and we're not even touching the hem of the garment of kids that need help. Young folks, look to your parents, your grandparents. They love you and they care for you. And don't let the world drag you down. And that goes for every one of us. Therefore, do not be unwise in verse 17, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dispensation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's turn over to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 for a minute. I want you to notice, uh, I'm reading mainly from letters Paul wrote. The man who, as Saul, vehemently hated the church. He hated Christians to the point that he tracked them down and had them thrown into prison and executed this is the man writing these messages 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Don't look to the things of this world. Don't be conformed to them. But when you die to your sins, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what Paul is saying. And that's so very important for us to understand. In verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. We've done that today. As I said before, I'd love to hear the congregational singing. And I know the Lord God enjoys it. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. There is one body. There is one church. There is one head. And we're all parts of that body. And we all have our different functions. I believe the scripture says in one part there's forever abolished a separate priesthood of man. Then it says that we are all priests to God, men and women. We have our separate roles in the church, but we're all priests to God. And we need to submit to one another in the body. We need to grieve with one another. We need to rejoice with one another. We need to love one another. As I said, I've been in the church all my life, and I've seen things that's happened in the church, and that grieves me. But it happens in the church. But we need to be there submitting and loving one another. Let's turn over to Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to be closing with this this morning. Lost my place there. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned, received, and heard, and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. That's written for us today. No, I didn't see Paul physically. But I see Paul through these words. I see the man that was persecuting the church on the road to Damascus. And the great light shined down around him. And he said, Lord, who art thou? He said, I am Jesus Christ whom thou persecutest. Now you arise and go to Damascus and there it will be told you what you must do. And Saul, and I think Saul believed in Christ after that encounter was praying for three days. 
And according to Paul, in Acts chapter 22, Ananias come to him, relieved him of his blindness, healed him of his blindness, and said, Now, Brother Saul, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. You know what? Paul did that. I know he did that. The Scripture says he did that. And Saul put away his hatred for the church. And I'm sure throughout his years of life on the earth, it still bothered him remembering what he did. But he knew he was forgiven. And I know that because Saul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 6, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering in the time of my departure, or my death is at hand. Paul was murdered for his faith. He says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have (coughs) kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. And he's not being arrogant knowing that. He knows what the Lord promised. He says, which the Lord of righteous, Lord the righteous judge will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to all that have loved his appearing. That promise is for all of us today that have given our lives to Christ by dying to our sins and being buried with him in baptism and resurrect, being resurrected in newness of life. We need to walk in the light as he is in the light. And we need to give our lives to Him. If you've not died to your sins and been buried, you need to do so today because tomorrow may not come. And if you are in the body of Christ but you seem to have lost that first love, recommit yourself to Him this morning as together we stand and sing.